That's to sync the audio yeah. <laughs> with the video. Yeah, I know the biz. Oh, yeah. do you? Okay, awesome. <laughs> You've done this multiple times. A couple times. A couple times. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Life with Lamb. Today I'm here with... James Hargraves. How are we doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? That's good. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for popping down in the morning. Thanks for having me. I know you're a busy man and... Pret- lots of pretend to be. <laughs> pretend to be. Anyway, um, what's been happening, I guess? Um, I was just explaining to you off air that um, I've just had my, it's kind of like my grand final, I suppose. Um, Over the weekend, I had a CrossFit competition, which starts as a worldwide comp and then funnels down into, you know, trying to find the fittest athletes in the country to compete against each other. Um, And so I spent the entire weekend pretty much at the gym exercising which is you know not the most fun and exciting weekend but it didn't quite go to plan unfortunately and just a little bit further down the leaderboard than we would have liked but that's all right we just you know buckle up and get ready for another 12 months of training fair enough um i guess let's stay back who are you what are you about who am i gosh what a what a heavy hitting question for 9.15am. <laughs> um, I, well, uh, it's an interesting question because I always, so as a part of my job, so that that is part of who I am. I own a gym in Q. It's called Workshop Gym. And I also have another business called See the Ability. But when I do onboarding sessions for potential new members at the gym i always say i always ask people you know the process of getting to know them i'm like so tell me about yourself what do you do and the reoccurring theme 99 percent of the time is they always tell me their job Mm. so they always say i'm you know i'm a doctor i'm a lawyer i'm a you know paramedic whatever um and then my my follow-up question is well what do you like what do you do outside of your job because you know like who are you? Yeah. And so um, now that question's flipped back on me, I suppose I would like to think of myself as like a hardworking, pretty easygoing guy that tries to live like one day at a time. Um, I'm one of the lucky ones where I really love my jobs. As I said, I run a gym and I also run a small business called See the Ability and we do personal training for kids with special needs and disabilities. And I I get to wake up every day and love what I do. You know, it creates some freedom to train a lot. And so I suppose I'd identify as like a pretty heavy exerciser too. I like going to the gym and trying to stay healthy and get strong. And then outside of that, I really value my girlfriend, my close friends and family. So try to dedicate as much time as I can to them. Which is quite minimal. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're, they're definitely, they're, they're high up on the hierarchy. But yeah, there's, there's, a few, there's a few things up there too. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, and I guess talk to us about like how you were as a kid. I, I'm going to get into your entrepreneurial side mm-hmm. a little bit later and of course your crossfit journey as well but yep. what were you like as a little kid 
Um, I was definitely like, I think I was a really hard working kid. And I, when I'm reflecting on that, I think more so down the, you know, sport and athletic side of things. Um, I loved, I loved school. I really liked my primary school and I really liked my six years at, um, my high school, but I was never the most talented or gifted kid. And so kind of knew that these values of hard work that, you know, mum and dad instilled in me from a young age that they were, they were important. And so, you know, I was that kid, you couldn't get into the school gym until year nine. So in year seven and eight, you know, doing push-ups and sit-ups and chin-ups at home just because couldn't, it couldn't get into the weights room at school. Classic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I loved hanging out with my friends um, and yeah, very, very family and friend oriented, I think. Okay. So awesome. Try to put, yeah, try to put a lot of energy into them, um, you know, make sure that they're, they're living the good life too. Has that always been a part of you? Or have you felt that as you've grown older, you've sort of started to cherish that a bit more? Yeah, for sure. There's definitely that component of you know maturing and you kind of realize the important things in life i think you know through those late teenage years middle teenage years you you know it's all me 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 you're only kind of you can only see so far in front of you and you're a bit self-absorbed and so yeah definitely from you know 18 19 onwards finishing school kind of grew up a bit more yeah definitely um was there a certain turning point that you remember or do you feel like it just sort of happened in the moment um yeah off the top of my head no no particular turning point per se um maybe like a couple of and without getting too dire Maybe the catalyst for a few things was, you know, some family members dying or things things like that that just kind of make you wake up to the... Yeah, it's know, like a big slap. You, ne- you never think you're going to die, <laughs> yeah. you know, or you never think anybody around you is going to die, that kind of thing. And so um, then when it does happen, you kind of wake up a bit and you're like, oh, okay, this is, pretty, this is pretty fleeting, so I may as well enjoy it whilst I've got it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that was pretty dire fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 9.20 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I guess also as a kid, um, you run two businesses now. Yep. Have you always been business minded? Yeah, big time. Um, you know, as I said, uh, whilst I was the kid doing the push-ups and sit-ups in the morning before school, I was also the kid that you know, you couldn't get a job until 14 and nine months. And so from 12, 13 and 14 and eight months, I was, you know, creating my own little flyers on like Microsoft Publisher in like, (laughs) in like 2010, you know, of that, a lawn mowing service that I could, you know, hand around to the neighbors because we used to live in a house which just had the nature strip um, lawns, you know, so like a meter by like five meters of, of lawn. And so I would, you know, drop them into everybody's letterbox and, you know, for five bucks, I'll mow your lawn until I could get a real job and then got a job at a a pizza store. Um, In 
Box Hill North. Shout out Pizza Works. <laughs> Don't know if it's still there. Um, I feel like that name rings a bell, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I got a job at like a burger place. And then I became a support worker. And so the main the main reason for becoming a support worker was because my older cousin, she was also a support worker. She was always going on these holidays and, you know jetting off overseas and I was like where are you getting all this coin <laughs> and she said oh, I'm a support worker and you know the it starts at you know 28 29 bucks an hour and you know kind of moves up from there and for a 19 year old fresh out of school at uni 30 bucks an hour is pretty good it's it's nothing, like nothing, sweet spot. <laughs> nothing to poke a stick at and so I then inquired at this company called Interchange and that's where she was a support worker and kind of lent on the fact that I also have cousins that are autistic. So they're twins and I get along with them very well. We've kind of grown up together. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, became a support worker and was a support worker for a couple of years whilst also doing my exercise science and business degree at Deakin. And then kind of married the married the two of you know the exercise science world and the support worker world and then started see the ability yeah because yeah i noticed a lot of the kids i was a support worker for were either you know overweight quite immobile um and just couldn't really move very well or didn't have access to you know being able to the same way that you or i can just cruise into a 24 7 gym or um you know, get access to a PT, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah started started see the ability, and here we are, four and a bit years later. Yeah, it is quite a niche sort of market that yeah. you tapped into. Yeah, it is, um, and I suppose that's a good thing. Um, it's it's interesting how in the disability sector, though, everyone seems to know everyone. Mm. So you know, I get a lot of. I haven't done, you know, I haven't paid for any marketing or anything since its inception, and it just seems like yeah, everybody knows everybody. So get people inquiring, say, oh, my physio recommended you, or I hire a new trainer, and you know they've had a support worker history, and then the person that I give them to, the client or the participant, they're like, oh yeah, I already know them, and you know, <laughs> every, yeah, it's it's a really small. And, you know, maybe it's just a, a Melbourne thing, but, yeah, it seems as though it's very interconnected. So the the benefit of starting a business in that niche is that people talk. And if you, if you prioritise, you know, a good service, putting the participant first, um, that kind of thing, then it's almost like, you doing your job well is the marketing. Yeah, definitely. And of course, word of mouth just carries throughout the whole community. So as long as you, yeah, as long as you put forward something that you're proud of and you're happy that, you know, the word of mouth is going to be helpful, not hindering, then yeah, it takes care of itself. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess dating back, you have cousins who are autistic who Mm -hmm. you've gotten along Mm -hmm. really well with. Have you ever seen like instances where they've been sort of picked on or anything or have you been sort of blindsided to that um no haven't haven't really seen anything 
the you just get the usual particularly through their formative years you know so they're 21 this year which is even me saying that out loud is just crazy to think about but they you know from 12 through to 16 17 you kind of forget the fact that they're teenage boys under there you know so many people see the disability hence the name of my business Mm. um so many people just see the you know the autism or the down syndrome or whatever it might be and you forget that there's a person a a 16 year old hormonal you know tantrum throwing teenage boy under there and so you know whether you're out and about and something happens and you know you kind of struggle to regulate or control them a bit more um get a few side eyes, things like that. But mm. nothing that's, you know, ever ill-intended or... Yeah, and to, more to your question, I never saw any kind yeah. of, like, direct bullying per yeah. se or, like, picking on. No, nothing like that. Okay, awesome. I uh, think, yeah, pe- people are... The awareness around things like special needs, I think, has gotten so much better that, you know, you see someone acting up in the supermarket your kind your first thought is oh well you know maybe they're a, a beer short of a six pack or like that you know they're not quite right and mm. people s- seem to be a little bit more empathetic and understanding so yeah yeah definitely. no no hollywood movie like <laughs> school bullying <laughs> scenes or anything like that <laughs> i just thought it might marry into the idea of like why you created mm. see the ability yeah no nah, not really mm. okay and i guess workshop where take us back to the whole CrossFit journey. And- yeah, well, workshops are a funny one because growing up, never knew what I wanted to do after school. And our dad, so my dad is a professor at Melbourne Uni um, in the exercise physiology field. And he always joked about, you know, I could open up my own gym and have Jim's gym. <laughs> And the, you know, he's always been a bit more theoretical and scientific and I've always been a little bit more practical. Um, And it was just something that never really inspired me. Mm. And then I started my CrossFit journey at a gym in Hawthorne called CrossFit Hawthorne East and then moved to workshop. And started training at workshop in I think about twenty fifteen. And that's when a brother sister duo, John and Lizzie, owned it. And they were great because, you know, a CrossFit gym isn't cheap. Mm. Um and so, you know, initially they we struck up a deal of, you know, like me like cleaning the gym, um, and in conjunction with my degree, you know, starting to get some like hands-on practical like coaching experience. And if I'm being honest, I probably learnt so much more from John and Lizzie at workshop in the first 12 months than I did in my four-year degree. And then, so I, was, I essentially became a coach at workshop. And then in... 20 the end of 2018 John left the gym so it was just Lizzie running it 
and she had a newborn baby and was living a little bit further away from the gym and so I think it kind of it became hard to juggle so many balls and so then she approached myself and my now business partner's name's Ego and said oh do you guys want to buy the gym and initially I thought I oh, never never wanted to own a gym so not really and then my girlfriend was like how many times in your life do you reckon you're just going to get handed this like fully functional already established space with members that you you know all of them like it kind of just makes sense Mm. that you and ego kind of transition from coaches into owners at a space where you're already established and so then thought it's a pretty good point (laughs) and so yeah we we took it over and then six months later, COVID hit. So <laughs> we've, you know, we've had the gym for two and a half years and two of them have been in and out of lockdowns and um, it's been a pretty wild, pretty wild ride, to be honest. Definitely. Um, two things. Firstly, uh, your girlfriend sounds like someone that definitely supports you and is very passionate for everything that you do. Yeah, she's can, awesome. <laughs> can you talk to us a bit about her? Um, her name's Bridget. And, well, I mean, how much do you want to know? So, <laughs> her and I have been lifelong friends before we started going out. Um, I, short story long, her brother is my best mate. So, Yes, I did start dating my best mate's sister. Um, and so we've always, you know, we've always gotten along really well. And she's such a, like, go-getter towards life. And it's so hard to, like, knock her down and keep her down. And she's just so resilient. And um, the way like her outlook towards life is definitely infectious and, you know, makes me have a certain outlook towards life. Um, So she definitely makes me a better person. Um, And yeah, she's just, she's more fun than I am. She parties harder than I do. Um, And she has just finished her, she finished a degree at Swinburne and she's just wrapped up a job at a company called Compass and she's now you know kind of finishing up there and then she'll she's got a couple of things that she wants to try out on her own so you know follow the entrepreneurial um avenue and so yeah the you know the next 12 months will be pretty exciting yeah like for like both yeah of you. <laughs> yeah awesome and how does she like inspire you as a person and how has she shaped the way that you sort of go about your everyday life yeah pretty much again the way that she's just got such a go-getter attitude you know a, a good example would be years ago she was going to america for a six month ex- six month exchange and she had all these flight issues I might also be getting this story partly wrong if Bridget is listening. So <laughs> Sorry, Bridget. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she was having all these flight issues and it turned out like the only day she could fly was Christmas Day. Yeah. And so, 
you know, on, I think it was Christmas Eve, she's, and the flight was from Sydney, you know, Sydney mm. direct to um, the States. And so, you know, she was flying to the States on Christmas Day and so she has to take herself to Sydney and it's it was just this kind of scenario that is definitely not ideal, but instead when she's in Sydney, she's like, well, I've got the day in Sydney. So she does the like Sydney Harbour bridge climb and she is up there with like this random group of like seniors just enjoying <laughs> the view from the top of the Sydney Harbour bridge. And then she's like walked around, seen the opera house, like done all these things. And it's it just, to me, really kind of captures what she's about. She's like, okay, well... I'm in Sydney. I've got like 10 hours till my flight. So I may as well just extract as much as I can from this less than ideal scenario, yeah. like on Christmas Day. Um, and so, yeah, she definitely inspires me to do the same, try to get as much as I can from each. Um, you know, each scenario. Yeah, definitely. And I guess what's her impact been on your CrossFit journey? Because I can she, imagine you both made a lot yeah, of sacrifices. She, for each other. She's, she's been awesome because we're we're not very we're not very compatible sleepers. She's a bit of a night owl, and I'm I'm an early early to bed kind of guy. And one of the things we we had to kind of nut out early on in our relationship was okay well look i want to go to bed <laughs> and you're getting into bed and you're like wired and you know awake for hours and so she definitely compromised on giving up some of those later night hours of you know staying awake um and she's just been so so supportive you know so for for better context at the height of my training there's probably somewhere between like 10 to 10 to 11 sessions a week so three three ish days excuse me three ish days of double sessions um and it averages out to about you know three and a half hours in the gym. Usually like an hour, an hour in the morning, and then an afternoon session in there for two, two and a half. Mm. So that's a lot of time. And then um, the result of that is being pretty exhausted. And she's been so understanding of like the physical demand and then the mental demand of okay, well now I just want to go to bed. Like mm. I just want to eat and go to bed, and then we're gonna do the same thing again tomorrow. I'm going to train, I'm going to do some work and then I want to eat and I want to go to bed. And she just like hasn't batten an eyelid. She's been, there There was a, I think there was a point, timeline might be a little off here, but it was probably about maybe 12-ish months ago where, in fact, it might have been after this competition mm. last year. Okay, yep. She like sat me down and was like, look, if you want to be one of the best in the country, then we need to start behaving like one of the best. And I'm going to help you like in whatever way I can. 
So whether that, that, whether that means like awesome. we go to bed earlier, like we eat better food, um, you know, I like I'm going to help you however I can. And I thought that's pretty cool. Like, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, to have, because she's so, so selfless. And so she was just like, all right, well, my life and all these like fun things I want to do, you know, go out and drink or, you know, all these things, whatever they were, there was never any pressure from her of like, a, oh, come on, like relax a little, be a bit more fun, like, you know, come out with us. There was There was none of that. Like she knew the path that I was trying to, you know, go down with her help. And she was like, yep, you've got it. You know, you've got my undivided support and help. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> it was pretty Far cool. Out. Um, and I guess with your relationship as a whole, do you have any like takeaways or certain values that really stick out to you that you really hold to heart in terms of maintaining a healthy relationship with a significant other? I think... I think a good relationship is this weird dance between you make each other better, but you're also emotionally independent from each other. So the thing I love about Bridget is that she doesn't need to be, you know, validated by my love or, you know, she doesn't need to be told that I, you know, I love her or Mm. I support her or whatever it is. She's just like, she's such a, like, strong, independent woman in her own right. And I'd like to think I just kind of maybe add a Mm. little bit of a support layer to that. And, you know, I would like to think that I make her a better person in the same way that she makes me a better person. So... I think the secret to a good relationship is being able to stand on your own two feet. But when you're together, like you just amplify the good parts of you. Mm. And yeah, the, the unity of you makes it, makes the actual person in the relationship better. And has that taken a while to learn or do you feel like it's come naturally between the both of you? Um, I don't know if, if it's something that you actually learn or if you just become aware of it. Mm. So, you know, I don't think there was a point where I had to learn to, you know, help Bridget be emotionally independent or uh, learn how our relationship becomes better is just kind of becoming aware of ah oh, you know having a relationship in the past that didn't quite work and now having this one it works because of xyz so yeah i think just kind of waking up to what makes it really tick tick, yeah Yeah. okay awesome um sorry to dive into a rabbit hole about your relationship no worries Um, i just wanted to ask like why crossfit what 
what's inspired you to take this journey over, I don't know, other things like ollie lifting or, mm-hmm. or powerlifting or... Um, so I grew up really liking AFL and wanting to play football. Uh, I was a pretty good footballer through like under 13s, under 14s, under 15s. Um, again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I was never the best, but I probably had the hardest work ethic out of everybody. You know, I loved going to football camps and oh, yeah. things like that because the coaches would try to absolutely smash you and see what you're made of and always liked, you know, being pushed and coming out on top with all the training things. And um, I remember at the end of year 11, one of my mates showed me a video of Rich Froning doing a CrossFit final event for anyone who doesn't know Rich Froning is kind of like the OG the goat um like goat of CrossFit yeah so he he won the the title of fittest man alive four times in a row so 2011 12 13 14 Jeez. um and so this was 2013 that one of my mates showed me this video and the workout was some muscle ups some handstand push-ups and then like a handstand walk Mm. and then like some walking lunges. And I was just like, what is this? (laughs) Like, this is cool. And so then just kind of went down this rabbit hole of looking into all this stuff. And I've always been like pretty fit. Um, And so was like, this is cool. This is like a, a sport where the fit person wins so I was like this is something I can potentially be good at and also there's not too much like external um, things that dictate you know how well you do it's like if you work hard enough and you've got you know a few things working in your favor genetics Mm. blah 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 Mm. um, like you can be really good because it's all just about like how hard you train I was just gonna add on to that point like do you see the fact that CrossFit being an individual sport, what's the contrast like between that and footy? Because footy, sometimes you can have people who like don't put in as much effort. Yeah. Whereas CrossFit and all these individualized sports where you can d- dictate like your outcome, essentially, if you have a few things go your way. What what do you think about that? The, yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to both. I really like that you can, you're accountable. Yeah. So it's it's like if you if you fall short, it's your fault. It's no one else's fault. But also having grown up playing team sports, you know, half the fun is when you win, you get to share it with seventeen other yeah. guys, and so it's it's so much more. It's the same with like shared suffering. You know, like when you're training hard with a whole team. It's, it's so much easier to keep pushing. And so the whole like camaraderie and, you know, connections that you build in a team sport are probably better mm. than the pursuit of like suffering by yourself. <laughs> but 
I also, you know, I wouldn't be doing this if there wasn't something that I like inherently enjoyed about it. Yeah. So having to really kind of ask those questions of yourself when, you know, training gets hard and you're in the gym by yourself, like I could just go home and relax. No one's making me do this. But then you kind of, you know, that internal dialogue of, well, like you chose this. So, yeah, shut up. <laughs> I can do it. Yeah. Um, and I guess you, so you watched the video, felt inspired. Yep. And then what were the steps from there? You Did you step into a gym to start training? And- yeah. So that's when I went to a gym called CrossFit Hawthorne East. Um, and they were lovely. They were really nice, nice team of coaches and started training there. Was there for a couple of months and... I kind of knew that I had to get stronger. That's That was and still is one of my kind of like deficiencies in the sport is that my absolute strength is kind of not where it needs to be. Because there, there are some markers of, excuse me, certain weights that you should be hitting. Mm. Certain squat, certain, you know, overhead press, certain snatch, clean and jerk, et cetera, et cetera. And... So I was like, okay, I need to go to a gym that prioritizes strength because the programming at CrossFit Hawthorne East was a little bit more like your just typical CrossFit. You know, move fast, move hard, and then like whatever. Whereas I had to be 80% strength and 20% move fast, not the other way around. And so I left left the gym and... (laughs) I learned a valuable lesson in how to run a gym because that they actually got really dirty on me. <laughs> um, they the the owners who they don't own it anymore. They were in Bali on a retreat mm-hmm. when I found out about workshop, and so I've gone to work. And it was actually a coach at Hawthorne East that said, "Hey, like go check out workshop. Like they're a bit more strength." oriented Mm. so i went and spoke to john and lizzie and then i messaged the owners being like hey guys just letting you know like i'm i'm stopping my membership because i'm going to another gym and like i i was blown away about how this like fully grown adult male like responded to this 19 year old boy being like whatever mate like got a bit of shit going on over here at the moment um like might talk to you when we get back. And they just like didn't hear from him ever again. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> this is, what kind of message? If, yeah. It's like if I ever own a gym, which now I do, it's like that is lesson 101 in how not to behave with someone like wanting to leave your gym. And I really liked the coaches there. The coaches, yeah. were, the coaches were lovely and the members were lovely, you know, because I, I was this young kid mm. starting this crossfit thing and they were all awesome except the two running the show (laughs) so uh that yeah that was that was interesting but that's how that's how i got into it so saw this video started training at this gym in hawthorne and then moved to workshop and then just kept chipping away yeah awesome um did you have any like initial goals leading into crossfit like after you watched that video were you like I want to be able to handstand walk or I want to compete one day. Yeah. So I remember 
my goal being, okay, I'm 19. I want to be like a regionals level athlete. And for those of you that don't know what that is, that's kind of the old school term of um, basically being one of the best in the country. So before 20... Eight, nine, before 2018 if you went to regionals it meant like you went to the national competition in Australia and New Zealand and you competed against the top 30 in Australia and New Zealand mm. um, that was our region it was called like the Pacific region and so I thought okay by the time I'm 23 I want to be a regionals level athlete so I want to be in the near the top 30 in the country and then you know, thought I was training hard, ticking along, getting stronger, getting fitter. Um, things were going well. And I distinctly remember the day I turned 23 and thinking, holy fuck, like I'm nowhere near it. Like I'm, I'm nowhere near where I wanted to be. And here I am four years later. Like, what have you been doing? And so that was a real eye-opener for me of you think you're working hard but it's like how do you know that you're really working hard like be honest with yourself are you doing absolutely everything you can to try to get to where you want to be and then ask the question well do you really want to get there Mm. and so then it was at that point that I was like okay I'm either not going to try and do this I'm going to try and do it and I decided the latter and from that point really kind of dialed it in of, okay, I'm going to pay for someone else to do my programming because I was doing a lot of my own programming Okay, yep. and it's easy. It's so easy for you to not even realize how like you bias your programming towards what you're good at. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I pay like, I pay over 200 bucks a month for someone else to do my programming. Um, I, tidied up my food in terms of just the quality um covid really helped you know because i stopped going out and in the like the first six months of covid how good i got so quickly from just training not going out eating better and sleeping i was like okay we're on here like this is this is the this is the trajectory i'm um, i know i can go on so i'm going to keep going on it um, and we're now 25 going in the right direction. Um, as I spoke to you a little bit before, yep. you know, not quite at the rate that I would have hoped, but as I said, you know, I can, I can rest my head on my pillow at night knowing that I am training as hard as I possibly can. And I'm doing everything I can to try to be the best that I can. Yeah. Um, and that, that's kind of the point like it's not the outcome and eventually getting there is nice and reaching the goal but you know if what all those elite athletes and bloody Miley Cyrus say is true it's more about you know the climb Mm -hmm. and it's about the actual journey of trying to get there and the things you learn about yourself on the way and then ticking off the goal of, you know, winning the championship yeah. or whatever it is, that's kind of the cherry on top. But it's more about that that process. You know, I think there was a video 
of Kobe Bryant, and he was talking about looking back on his career, he realized that, you know, five championships or however many he had, they're nice and all, but where he felt like the real winner was those like 4am workouts where like he didn't want to get up, but he did. And then he worked out for, you know, two hours, a thousand free throws or whatever. And that was, that's what really Mm -hmm. made him feel like a winner. Yeah, for sure. And it's and it's not the it's not the championships. And I think I think that's something that it's easier to say when you when you've it, got yeah. the championships. Yeah. You know, it's harder for me to sit here and not be the the regionals level athlete that I want to be mm. and go, "Oh, but that's okay because <laughs> I'm I'm winning along the way of, you know, all my hard training." You know, I'd still like to get there and I plan to get there, but then I think retrospectively, it'll be like, oh yeah, it was just all those little things along the way. Yeah, that eventually that, added that, up. That were actually the wins. Yeah. Um. What did you learn about yourself at 23 when you when you look back and reflect on that goal that you had when you were 19? What did you learn about yourself? I learned that the easiest person to lie to is yourself, because. There's so there's so much dialogue with yourself, and it's just it's it's just so easy to trick yourself into thinking, oh yeah, you know, I, I worked hard, like I did this, I did that, whatever. And then I had my moment of, well, like you've been tricking yourself for three and a half years because you just you're just nowhere near it. Mm. So, yeah. I learnt to like really, you know, leave no doubt. Um, and that again, right now, how do I know that I'm really giving my best? You know, like mm-hmm. I'm, I feel as though I'm doing everything I can, um, but. How do you know? Yeah. Are there, I mean, with the competition, of course, mm-hmm. like, I guess that's your annual checkup, but mm. do you, yeah, I guess, I don't know how you, how you would measure it because. Yeah. And it, it is, it's hard. The, yeah. So there's a thing called the CrossFit Open mm. every single year, which is a worldwide competition. Mm-hmm. So there are workouts that are released online and you get to do them and you get to see how you stack up against the world. Then from that, it's broken up into um, regions. And so we're in the Oceania region, which is just Australia, New Zealand, and I think Papua New Guinea Mm. sneaks into it. And you basically then compete against the people in your region. And so they take the top 10%. So there was this year there was 9,000 guys and I think... nine and a half ten thousand girls um but so there were nine thousand guys i was competing against and then they take the top 900 so the top 10 percent and then you get a whole bunch of new workouts and then from 900 they go to 30 so the top 30 is who go and compete at nationals Mm -hmm. and the idea is that you then find the fittest top three in the region who then go to the CrossFit Games, which is over in America, and you then battle it out to see who is, you know, quote, unquote, by definition, the fittest 
man and fittest woman on the planet. Mm. So, um, yeah. Run us through, I guess, the Open. Uh-huh. Your personal Open and then obviously last weekend or this weekend? This weekend, this just weekend, gone. Just yep. gone, yeah. So, without getting too uh, technical, there are like different styles of CrossFit workouts. And the open style of workouts are more workouts that I'm kind of good at. Mm. So they're usually a little bit longer in time domain. They're a little bit simpler in terms of movements. And it's kind of like how hard can you hurt and how long can you hurt for? And I'd like to think that's something I'm relatively good at. It, I would say the same. <laughs> that's it's like a it's it's like anything. It's a skill that you practice. You practice, and without trying to sound cliche and lame, it's you know getting comfortable being uncomfortable, and it's it's it is something you practice. There comes that point in a workout where you go, okay, I could either take my foot off the gas, finish this workout, and you still be done, or I can really go for it, finish this workout, and know that I really pushed. And so the open workouts are a little bit more like that. And so, you know, from the 9,000 in Australia, New Zealand and Papua New Guinea, I finished 45th. And so I was like, cool. Okay. Now for the quarterfinals, if I can, you know, do a little bit better, I try to be near the top 30 and qualify for the national competition. Um, The problem is that the quarterfinals, you know, highlighted my weaknesses mm. because they're a different style of workout. They're usually a little bit more technical in terms of like complex movements. Mm. So things like, you know, single leg squats, mm. muscle ups, um, snatches, like heavy barbell snatches, you know, things that, yeah, higher skill, um, a little bit more like muscular endurance. You've got to, you know, do a lot of one movement before moving to another movement. Um, and, you know, I ended up finishing 116th from so from the top 900. So they take the top 10% and then I finished 116th. So it was kind of like a, a bitter pill to swallow of, well, I was 45th in stage one mm-hmm. and then in stage two, I was 116th. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those stage two workouts are what are stopping me from getting to that top 30. So it's good that, you know, I know what I have to work on for the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. You know, those kind of like um, heavier bars, shorter time domains of like really moving quickly, doing like trying to do a lot of reps. But still trying to execute but, and maintain your technical yeah, capacity. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um and so, yeah, the the Open was good and, you know, it got me excited of, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, like I can kind of be near where I need to be. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing as well, you know, in – so the Open, it's three weeks and there's three workouts that come out. And so you have like a weekend to do the workout. Mm-hmm. And so I did on – the last workout I did on a Friday and it was easily like the worst of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have – if I was a little bit more ego-driven, I would have maybe done it again on, mm. you know, Sunday or Monday before the deadline. Yep. 
Um, but I left my bad score up there, you know, went away for the long weekend and so be it and still finished 45th. And I thought, okay, if I redid the workout, you know, I might've finished 35th or 30th even. Um, and so, you know, that gave me that confidence going into the quarterfinals and then, yeah, kind of brought me back down to earth a little bit. Yeah. um, Sorry. Silly silly question. Other... Is the no, open no such thing? <laughs> Thank you. Are the opens a separate thing to the quarterfinals, or do the points tally up together? Completely separate. Okay. So you've just got to be in that top ten percent mm. in your region, then the scoreboard goes back to zero, and then the top ten percent compete against each other to find the top thirty. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, have you had a chance to reflect? Yeah. Um, I tried to harness my best Jocko Willink. I don't know if any of you listeners know who he is. Um, but I just kind of said to myself, good. You know, like, okay, you know, we can we can learn from this and we can, we can move forward. You know, good. I didn't qualify, good. You know, like, we can, we can build from here instead of, you know, having a sook about it. And, mm. um, yeah, I... So the other thing that happens with the quarterfinals, again, I try to be quickly move through the nitty gritty because it's boring, <laughs> but there are five workouts and the the scoreboard updates after each day. So it's three days of working out. You do two on Friday, two on Saturday, one on Sunday. Mm-hmm. After after Friday, the leaderboard updates. After Saturday, the leaderboard updates, and then after Sunday, the leaderboard updates and it's closed. And you can see where you are after each day. And it's a point system. So if you finish first, you get one point. And if you finish 200th, you get 200 points. So the idea is that you want as few points as possible. And after day one, I already had 300 points to my name. And I was sitting, you know, 145th overall. And so it was like my weekend was done before it was even over. And so I kind of got to use the weekend of workouts to reflect. Mm. Um, it was hard on the Saturday morning to go down and do the workouts when I knew my weekend was over. I knew that you know I was not going to be anywhere near the top 30. But again... You know, it's a good lesson to learn about yourself. It's like, well, you're just going to throw in the towel, or you're going to, are you going to do these workouts and you're going to do them well? And so, yeah, I I think I reflected over the course of the entire weekend because after day one, it was, it was over. Yeah. Um, and I guess you're actively learning about yourself during that time as well. Yeah. Because I can imagine so many people would have just thrown in the towel at that point. Yeah, maybe. So. The the other thing that I, I didn't mention is that in the last, you know, six to 12 months, I've started... Because I've always done 99% of my training by myself. Mm-hmm. The last six to 12 months, I reached out to a couple of guys down at a gym in Moorabbin called CrossFit Project Bayside. And I've started training down there a couple of times a week. And what I was talking to you earlier about, you know, that whole like shared suffering, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're playing a team sport or whatever it is, 
doing these workouts with you know another 15 20 people down at bayside was so fun yeah and it's just so much like nicer and so even though my weekend was over on the friday i still had all like heaps of fun doing the workouts on saturday with the crew there and then on sunday with the crew there and sure they may or may not have cared about where i finished but i think that they 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 don't really care you know it's that whole like spotlight syndrome of you know it's you focused on you but they're focused on them and so like they don't they don't care if i was in the top 30 or if i was if i was 300th mm. you know it's it's more about getting to do it together having fun um, getting to test yourself, ask those hard questions, and growing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been, I think, the reflection process of not qualifying may have been a little bit more messy if it was just me at workshop by myself feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. But it was down at Project Bayside with a whole bunch of really nice people. Um, and it, it made, I suppose, you know, the grieving process, but it made it, it made it easier. Yeah, for sure. It, um, yeah. And reaching out to people when you are, I guess this is pretty surface level context, like there are mental health issues going around, but when you reach out and do things together with other people who support you, it's yeah. really important. Problem shared is a problem halved. Yeah, definitely. Um, how has CrossFit impacted your social life? I know you've talked a little <laughs> bit, a little about, a little bit about it. Um, in terms of your girlfriend, but I can imagine you've you're not obviously you're not a hermit. You d- still do other things, but yep. I can imagine the amount of nights out that you've sort of crossed off the cards. Yeah, and I don't know if I would blame CrossFit for that. Mm. I would, I'd blame me and my my goals because you know they're the majority of crossfitters are just your everyday punter that has a nine to five or you know they they live their life and they they come and do a crossfit class three or four times a week Mm -hmm. um and so it's not necessarily it's it's my aspirations and drive that has led to a lot of foregone nights out out. (laughs) um and you know that that's part of I think from 19 to 23, I was kind of kidding myself a little bit of having big nights out. Sunday was written off Mm. and then I'd get back into it on Monday and train again. Mm. And then during the start of COVID, what happened was Sunday wasn't a write-off and Monday training was really good. You know, it's so it's not like you're recovering from a hangover. You're recovering from your training and you get to actually recover properly. And so the training just got so much better mm. during COVID because I couldn't go out. No one was going out. And then it almost kind of made it easy for me because mm. it was like, okay, well, if you keep wanting, if you want to keep getting this good, then it's pretty simple. Keep training hard, don't go out. Yeah. And so. To clarify what I mean by going out, I mean going to the pub or a bar or a club until the the early a.m. and, you know, 
having 10 beers and writing yourself off. I still go and have dinners with my mates and, you know, we might go, we like, we might go to the pub, but I'll have, I'll have a beer Mm. and with my dinner, you know, like, like a social beer whilst we're chatting. And then thankfully my mates are pretty supportive. And so they, they get it, you know, none of them try to, force me and also i think we've grown up a little bit you know there, there's none of that like oh come on like have another beer <laughs> yeah like oh you're no fun you know there's yeah. none of that um and so they just know that it's like if you've if you've got me on a night out like you've got you got a beer a privilege yeah you've, you've got a beer maybe two yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's that's it i don't know yeah. i don't know if it's a privilege but you, you've got you've we got, got james you've out got, you've got a beer yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. so um yeah, that was. It's yeah, it's definitely meant I've not wanted late nights because mm-hmm. sleep is the best recovery technique there is. Period. Yeah, it's better than any massage gun, foam roller, like cryotherapy, sauna, whatever. It's like sleep well, and your performance will just go through the roof yeah i think i've just recently learned that as well i had like a nine ten hour sleep last night yeah like my body was wrecked Mm. i feel so much better now just and knocked out particularly because when you're young you can like you just think like you can burn the candle at both ends Mm. and like you can for only so long yeah and then good luck yeah so yeah um on your friends as well, have mm-hmm. you had any friends that you've sort of had to not necessarily let go or like stop hanging out with, but have you had friends where you've, where they've been less supportive or, or have been like, oh, come on. Like, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, more to like the first point, mm. like friends that you kind of do have to let go. Mm. Um, merely because coming out of school, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I had quite a, like a, there was a big group of us, you know, probably 20, 25 guys. And we were all, you know, like a good group of friends Mm. and just the natural progression of life. When you're not with the same people five days a week from 8.15, when school starts to 3.15, you start to realize that you're different to all these people and they're different to you and you have different interests. And so you just start, you know, moving away from each other. Mm. And there were probably, you know, whether it was directly to my face or indirectly behind my back, I don't care. They, there would have been friends that were just like taking the piss of Mm. what I wanted to do. And so it was like, that's fine. But, you can go and you can go live your life and I'll go live mine kind of thing. Um, and then, you you know, naturally, like you figure out which friends you want to keep around and which ones you want to hang around. And so that group of 25 has kind of shrunk down to like this group of six or seven mm. that kind of see regularly. As I said, you know, they might be going out to the pub for yeah. a, a feed and they'll be like, oh, do you want to come for a beer? Like, yeah, sure, absolutely. Mm. And so... Um, that's been that's been an interesting learning process of being okay with 
like getting rid of them. Yeah, for um, sure. I'm also very lucky. I have two best mates who I've been best mates with forever. Mm-hmm. Went to primary school with both of them. Um, and they're kind of like, you know, for use of a better term, outside of Bridget, they're like my rock. Yeah. So I've always got them there. We've, you know, the three of us have been best mates for the, like two decades. Um, we're growing and life's changing, but it seems like we kind of complement each other and we're growing and changing in our own individual ways, but it still kind of works and the three of us are still really close. And so having them around definitely, definitely helps. Yeah. Would you, you know? say like this is like a lucky thing or would you say there are certain things that you've learnt throughout, I guess, your high school life to now where you are um, in terms of letting friends go and just being absolutely sure of yourself? I think, yeah, I think, I don't know if it's luck, I think it is just about having those hard conversations with yourself Mm. because I have a lot of internal dialogue with myself. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if that's because like the nature of my job, one of my jobs, see the ability it's, it's a completely mobile service, you know, drive to clients. Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of time behind the wheel. So that's a lot of time like by yourself, just thinking, um, spend a lot of time in the gym training by myself. That's a lot of time with your own thoughts. And so there's a lot, I, I do, I'm very like introspective and I think a lot about thinking. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think you just need to, to, to paraphrase, um, Jordan Peterson you need to know what you want to go towards and then you also want to know what you want to run away from. So like you have your ideal like goal, life that you're striving towards, but then you also want to visualize, well, if I don't strive towards that, like how shit could my life get? Yeah. Like how far could it spiral down? And so you want, you know, something to run towards and something to run away from. And so you got to ask yourself those questions. Well, if I stay with these shitty quote unquote friends, mm. like where am I going to be in five years or am I going to let them go? And then where am I going to be in five years? Yeah. And then it should be, it should be pretty easy to, yeah. know, to know which one to do. So. Awesome. Um, how are we going for your time? Uh, good. Good. Yeah, yeah. We can, we can keep going. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> This is awesome. Um, and, okay, so you finished high school when? 2014. 2014. Yeah. What's the journey been like in terms of, like, uni and then starting the two businesses? Like, yep. Has it been conventional or unconventional? Uh, I'd say pretty unconventional. I have a lot of friends that, you know, went to uni, did med, law, commerce, um, you know, finance, whatever, which is fine. Like not not knocking that at all. Uh, I was doing an exercise science degree, and as I said earlier, you know, I had no idea what I wanted to do, and then started see the ability, um, and yeah, just kind of kind of rolled with it 
with it from there. So I was a, you know, I was a strength and conditioning coach. I was a support worker and I was doing an exercise science degree and a business degree. So it was, mm-hmm. it was a double. Um, and I, I had a couple of people ask me, well, what do you actually do with an exercise science and a, you know, business degree? I said, well, I don't know. It's a good question. Like, <laughs> mate, like start your own exercise business. And here we are doing exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and I'm very lucky. I have extremely supportive parents. Yeah. You know, they're, they're so uh, encouraging and they, you do what you want to do. It's your, it's your life. Um, and so I've been very, very lucky in that regard where, you know, starting see the ability, taking over workshop, it's at no point was I worried about the business failing and then me being out on the street, you know, or anything like that. Yeah. It was, I always had the safety net of my parents, um, which I realize is something that so many people don't have. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so lucky that, that mum and dad both worked really hard. They're both now in their 60s and they still both work full time. Um, and, you know, they're now starting to talk about retirement, but, you know, they've, they've gone full tilt for mm. however many decades. And so I'm so lucky that we get to, um, you know, live in this nice suburb and I have these opportunities to do things where if they do fail, it's it's okay mm. because I'm still living at home with mum and dad and then I can, you know, try something else. Mm. And I, you know, I'm so acutely aware that that is a position that so many people are not in and that's why I kind of strive to make the most of it mm. is because I am in that position. And so I'm not going to sit back and feel guilty about being in that position but what I am going to do is try to optimize and like squeeze every bit of um, the situation out of it. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Um, you went to a private school as yep. well, right? Yep. Um, how many people have you seen or witnessed like f- either feel guilty about their position or just not make the most of it? Um, I don't know if it's something that like I I haven't really spoken about mm. it with a lot of my mates. Mm. There is one of my close friends who is one of the two two of my best mates. Um he went to Kerry. Mm. And you know, we speak we've spoken about that a couple of times, you know, about how fucking unfair life is. Yeah. Like it just is. You know, I was born in, if you ask me, one of the best cities in the best country in the world to two very hardworking parents living in a nice suburb. Like, if that's not winning the lottery, I don't know what is. And meanwhile, there are kids born to a drug-addicted mum and a dad that's not on the scene and, you know, jumping from commission housing to commission housing. Like, things like that. Life's Life is terrible. Shit, it's cruel. Yeah. yeah. But whether this is naive of me or not, I feel as though the best thing for me to do is not feel guilty about the position of privilege I'm in, but it's to use it and 
start a business that helps people with special needs, run a gym that helps people get fit and healthy, live a life where I try to make everybody feel better after their interaction with me than before. Mm. You know, use what I've been given to make the world a better place. And I think if everybody did that, then the world would be it'd, a better it'd, place. It'd be, it'd, it'd be a better place. Yeah. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really... Um, well, obviously, I look up to you being my like first coach and everything, but I think that's such a great perspective to have in this day and age in our world as well. Well, yeah, and it's it's something that I've I, I've thought about a fair bit. Um, and you know, you got to be careful about how much like media you choose to absorb and things on Instagram and and Facebook and you know, TikTok and whatever it might be, mm. because, you know, if, if you absorb too much of the wrong stuff, then you might just sit back and go, okay, well, you know, I'm a middle-class white dude living in Melbourne with, you know, like, what do I do about that? I'm, I should feel bad. Yeah. You know, yeah. I should feel bad about all this privilege that I have. And then, Part of me just thinks, well, like, what good's that going to do? Mm. So, that's true you, because use, use it. Yeah, you do see you do see a lot of like things on TikTok or Instagram, like sort of bashing the fact that people are born into privilege. But it's like yeah. it's not your fault that you've been born into it. No, at all. And the fact that you're taking the stance of utilizing it and trying to better other people around you is, I think, amazing. And but then also like how nihilistic is the alternative of okay i've born i've been born into privilege so like what do you want me to do do you want me to like get rid of it all and go and live my life like all these unlucky people that have been born into no privilege Mm. like how how's how's that gonna how's that gonna make things better yeah definitely that's a good stance i like that one um yeah um, you do a lot of reading or um, watching motivational videos. Do you yep. have any recommendations or things that you've sort of grasped upon and taken into your everyday life? Um, I know there's, there'd be quite a few. I... Well, my favourite book is The Alchemist mm. by Paulo Coelho. I apologise if I'm not saying his name correctly. Um, very easy book to read. It's short. It's just a nice story about a shepherd basically having a dream and then chasing it. Um, um, to the listeners, Derek actually recommended that book as well. There you go. Yeah. So it's it's a popular one. Yeah. It's, and, and, you know, it's, it's very accessible. Mm. As I said, I think it's about 180 pages. If you're a, if you're a serious reader, you could knock that off in a couple of days. Um, in terms of like videos and this idea that keeps popping up with you know things that I watch and books that I read and you know trying to find your purpose and things like that mm. is kind of 
choosing the hard path. So choosing to do hard things voluntarily and then trusting that it'll be that it'll pay off. Mm. Um, for example, with all this really hard training that I'm doing, I can't tell you how many times in the last 12 months I've just thought, well, stuff this. Like, this is hard. Yeah. Like, why do I want to make myself hurt so much with my heart rate skyrocketing? And, like, I could just be hanging out. I could just yeah. be relaxing. Like, why? What's the point? And it's just trusting that doing hard things every day is going to pay off in a way that I can't conceptualize until I'm however many years, decades down the track. And then you look back and it all just connects up. And you go, oh, yeah, there That's it why. is. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Like in plain sight, it's right there. Yeah. But you just couldn't see it. Um, Until you sort and, of zoomed yeah. out. Yeah. And, you know, that that's kind of... Um, that's kind of like paraphrasing Steve Jobs's um, speech he did at a university graduation ceremony mm. where he, he spoke about how he did all these random subjects at uni, mm. um, you know, snuck into lecture theatres to just do subjects that he was interested in. Yeah. And he, he merely did that because he was interested in them. But then all these years down the track, he could look back and he could connect the dots of how doing those subjects helped him create Apple. And so, yeah, it's like, (laughs) you know, so yeah, I think that's the takeaway is do hard things and trust that that's the right choice. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, Actually, what what does a what does a day look like for you? To give perspective to the listeners, I know. So, a day looks different depending on which, which day, day it is. Yep. Um, you know, I think that's something. The unconventional work hours of you know running a gym, running a small business. There's no such thing as nine to five. Yeah. You know, so Fridays, for example, I'm up at five a.m. to coach the morning classes at the gym. Um, but then you know Tuesday, Thursday nights, I'm coaching at the gym until you know 7 30 mm. so it's a little different depending on which day but i'd say a typical day would be waking up good start then <laughs> i will go and do my first session and the first session's usually a little bit more kind of like aerobic based mm. so it might be on like a bike might be on a rowing machine a salt bike whatever whatever it is yeah is that on purpose to get the um, like air in or yeah and it's it's also low impact mm. um so you know not completely smashing yourself before you know A your weights yeah. in the afternoon yep. and also i do prefer lifting heavy in the evening mm-hmm. um like afternoon evening and so you know, i'll do my first session which is a bit more aerobic based go home and then i'll have my breakfast and like a coffee few cups of water and like it's it's always the same mm-hmm. it's always um like the same breakfast then i'll usually tinker away at like some emails and some admin stuff for both businesses mm-hmm. particularly in the last 12 months I've kind of moved a little bit away from the operations side of things 
and a bit more into like the management side of things. So with that comes, you know, as I said, all these emails and just making sure that the cogs are turning. Mm-hmm. So I spend a fair bit of time on my computer um, just making sure that that's all going as it should. Then I'll usually like have lunch and then go do my second session and then that's usually two, two and a half hours and then by that time I might either have like the evening classes to coach at the gym or like an afternoon like private PT client um, and then go home, have dinner, go to bed and do it all again. So I think the the other thing that is not fun to admit is that like monotony and repetition is is key yeah so literally just waking up training eating doing a bit of work training again eating again sleeping and then just doing that all again yeah just repeating you know it's not glamorous but like that's that's what it takes yeah for sure so how long into your training did you sort of realize that routine is key um I think it was the 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 lockdown. So mm. the first lockdown where we spent, you know, six months where the gym was shut. Mm. I got to reap the benefits of seeing how seeing how good I got compared to you know, in six months, the improvement that I saw I think was at a quicker rate than the last two years. Jeez. And so it was like this is the only thing that's changed has been not going out, it's like getting a bit more sleep mm. and just like the boring routine of same thing, day yeah. in, day out. And so whilst COVID sucked from a business point of view, like if I'm being honest, from a personal and training point of view, it was great. Yeah. Because I just trained the whole time. Yeah. And got to see, got to see like when you you know tweak a few things and work on this disciplined um schedule like look how good you can get yeah definitely yeah what's next for you what's next you've just finished the crossfit games or your yep. run so what's next is my business partner ego he is getting married in ireland in august Big ego. So, yep, the big man. <laughs> um, and so I, Bridget and I are going to do a few weeks in, in Europe mm. um, in July and August f- and then finish with his wedding. And then when we come back, Bridget and I are actually going to move to Queensland Oh, and live in live in Queensland for a year or two. Jeez. So that's what's next. <laughs> I did not even know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was going to be a little earlier, but then Ego's wedding... Um, change the timeline a little bit. So the, but yeah, the plan is to you know, mix it up and purely just because we can, yep. you know, for no for no other reason than that. Um, and yeah, go live in Queensland for a year or two. And what's the go with workshop and see the ability? The plan is to keep them both. Yep. Um, and as I said, you know, kind of the last six months has been me working towards trying to phase out from the operation side of things and be a bit more like managerial um, and just making sure that cogs are turning and and putting systems in place that work 
remotely from Q. Mm-hmm. And if they work remotely from Q, then in theory they can work remotely from Queensland. Queensland yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's 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 what's coming up. Wow. Um, and where can we find? Oh, and where can we find you, Jim? Well, um, you can find me working out if you feel so inclined <laughs> on Instagram at Jim in the Gym, um, and then also there is the Instagram page of see the ability and workshop gym and all of those will be in the show notes of the episode i sure will thank you very much for popping into the studio and giving us your time thanks for having me thanks for listening (laughs) you can find uh the podcast uh wherever you're listening on spotify apple podcasts um and be sure to follow at life with them podcast on instagram and we hope to see you in the next episode (laughs) awesome beautiful